you know, people who are uh, new to Mosaic will sometimes ask us, how do I get connected? How do I find community? And I always give them the same answer. Find a way to serve others with others. We're the Lee family, and we have two children, Sayana and Hudson, and we have been at Mosaic for 21 years. Sandy and I met in medical school. I'm uh, internal medicine, primary care. And I'm a pediatrician, and we've been practicing medicine for the past 20 years. When we moved to Los Angeles from New York in 1998, we heard about Mosaic through a family member, and we checked out the first service was at the nightclub in downtown LA. And then even when we moved down to Orange County, we were very intentional, we were very committed to staying with our Mosaic community, our Mosaic family, uh, despite the distance. It kind of has come full circle because now we have an OC mosaic and we are able to continue going to mosaic just down the street now from us, which is amazing. Uh, my daughter likes to say her favorite time of the week is anything involving mosaic Orange County. And so uh, to see them uh, so involved and plugged in is wonderful. When we see how mosaic is able to impact other people's lives, seeing how people come to Jesus and see how they are transformed. It's amazing to be a part of that journey and to see God at work and to see God in action. So Mosaic for us is not just a place or a location or a church. It's our family, it's our home, and that's why we're here to stay. So yesterday I was thinking to myself, why can Falcons fly and chickens can't. <laughs> you ever have those moments? You just, they're just so profound. They're so deep. They, they almost create this internal turmoil of the injustice of nature. I think some of it was I, I happened to have this nature channel called The Hunt on, and it was a little disturbing to see the kind of violence that's taking place all around us in the wild. I thought, out oh, in the wild, chickens have no chance. And so I started doing a little research and, and just asking the question, one, can chickens fly? Which is what I really want to talk to you about today. <laughs> can chickens fly? Because if you can resolve this question, I think you'll deal with most of the issues in your life. See, technically, chickens can fly, just not well. Or they could fly, but they forgot how. Or they were designed to fly, but they were redesigned by the environment in which they live their lives. It says chickens lost their ability to fly when they became domesticated and fat. <laughs> I'm just going to let you apply that wherever you need to. <laughs> and probably I really don't have to say anything else today. Their wings became too weak and their feet adapted to walking. Easy feeding and safe living stole their flight. They no longer needed to hunt because they were being fed. And they no longer had to fear being hunted because they were being protected. So they became a source of food. But the peregrine falcon, on the other hand, is not only the fastest bird in the world, but the fastest animal in the world. Fascinated by falcons. 
Now, technically, there are other birds that are faster when you're just measuring direct flight. But the falcon achieves a speed of around 200 miles an hour. When it elevates to its highest level and then begins to dive in the hunt. So the fastest bird in the world, the, the diametric opposite of the chicken is the falcon. And it finds its greatest speed when it's focused on its objective. The peregrine falcon, when it is hunting, dives and in the stoop, is not only the fastest moving bird, it's the fastest animal on the planet. At first, it soars to great heights and then dives deeply at speeds over 200 miles an hour. Now, it would be absurd for a chicken to hear a motivational speech and decide it's going to live like a falcon. And I think so oftentimes, this is what we've created. We've created a world where we hope to be inspired enough so we can stop living like chickens and start acting like falcons. And we've been told that, that if you'll just act like a falcon and believe you're a falcon and think like a falcon, you'll be a falcon. But you'll just be a really, really awkward, disappointed <laughs> chicken needing massive therapy all of your life because people will look at you and say, you know you're not a falcon. You go, yes, I am. Yes, I am. <laughs> and you will never stoop at 200 miles an hour, except maybe in your chicken dreams. <laughs> See, I think a lot of us act as if faith is God telling us chickens we need to start acting like falcons. And so we live in this perpetual frustration and disappointment because we cannot be what we're being asked to become. And inside of us, there, there feels like there's a peregrine falcon ready to be awakened, especially if you come to a, a, a falcon-centric community like Mosaic. So you come in going, I, I'm a falcon, I'm a... But a but, but the problem is that sometimes we're chickens trying to act like falcons, but I think other times we're unaware that we're actually falcons who are still acting like chickens. In just a few months, we're going to enter into a conference called The New. And Kim keeps asking me, but what is The New? I go, Yes. But what is the new? And she's asked me this probably at least a dozen times. What's the new? What's the new? What's the new? And in many ways, what I want to talk to you about today is the foreshadowing of the new. I, I, I want to prepare you because I think we're going to enter one of the most important conversations. Not only for our lives as a tribe, but for your life as an individual. Because I'm convinced that we're still having the wrong conversations. We're still talking about right and wrong, and good and bad. When really the conversation that God is trying to move us to is from right and wrong and good and bad to old and new. See, the conversation that Jesus is trying to take us into is a conversation not about right and wrong, but old and new. If you keep trying to figure this thing out from side to side, from right and wrong and good and bad, you're just playing this chicken falcon game. I'm going to try to act like a falcon today, even though I'm a chicken. Or maybe you're a falcon who still 
hasn't been convinced you're no longer a chicken. But just like in nature, a chicken will never become a falcon and a falcon will never become a chicken. If there is not an old and a new, then you're just the same you were. And there's no new anything. This is a peculiar passage in 2 Peter chapter 1. I'm going to begin in, in verse 2. Peter writes these words, May God give you more and more grace and peace as you grow in your knowledge of God and Jesus our Lord. By his divine power, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. We have received all of this by coming to know him, the one who calls us to himself by means of his marvelous glory and excellence. And because of his glory and excellence, he has given us great and precious promises. These are the promises that enable you to share his divine nature and escape the world's corruption caused by human desires. Now, there, there's a lot in just these few words, and I want to summarize it in just one declaration. If you want to understand how the process of becoming everything God created you to become happens, if you want to understand how to find your way through the chicken and falcon dilemma, is you need to understand that when you enter into a relationship with Jesus Christ, when you allow the God who created you to recreate you, everything you need to live the life that God created you to live, everything you need to fulfill the destiny for God, for which God designed you, it's all in you. And a huge problem in religion is that religion works from a basic assumption that it's not in you. So you must be conformed to whatever pattern is desired because you will not inherently, naturally become what God is calling you to become. Religion is a lack of confidence in God's ability to recreate you. And so this is a part of the process. This is a part of the tension that you may not understand exactly what's happened to you and so you don't know how to access what's in you. He begins by saying, may God give you more and more grace and peace. By, by the way, those two words cover so much. More and more grace and peace. I don't know if you know, but you need more grace. And I think you're probably pretty aware you need more peace. But you may not realize that those two are interconnected. The more grace you receive the more you're able to live your life in the, in the environment of unconditional love. So when you live in this beautiful thing called grace, you're no longer trying to earn love. You're no longer trying to earn acceptance. You're no longer doing things to get things right with God. Because grace understands that the relationship is a gift. Are there, are there any people in your life that you have a grace relationship with? Or does everyone have to earn your trust, earn your acceptance, earn your approval? See, not only do we need to be recipients of grace, but we must become dispensers of grace. We have to stop trying to force people to earn the right for us to forgive them. We have to become dispensers of grace where we give grace as much as we receive grace. And I am convinced that our ability to experience peace is directly connected to our ability to give grace and receive grace.
It says, you may grow more and more in grace and peace. As you grow in your knowledge of God and Jesus our Lord. By his divine power, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. What a statement. He has given us everything. Not he will give you everything. But he has given you everything you need to live the life God created you to live. So you want a practical definition for living a godly life? It's living the life God intended you to live. To live your life in the way God designed you to live your life. Because you're designed to reflect the image of God. You're designed to be an extension of the essence of God. And so God designed you to live in a certain way. He says, you'll be given more and more grace and peace as you grow. And by the way, that word grace is also connected to that conversation around gifts. That the gifts of God, that God actually gives you gifts. Do you know that? I mean, some of you know that you're already a gift from God. (laughs) But you're not quite the gift you think you are. But what the scriptures tell us is that God gives you talent and intelligence and passion. God places even within your genetic code gifts. And everything that you have the potential of becoming is God's gift to you and to the world through you. But not only that, but it tells us in the scriptures that God actually pours into us his gifts. And so he gives us different kinds of gifts, whether it's the gift of leadership or or, or, or the gift of, of discernment, or the gift of wisdom, or the gift of administration, or the gift of services, all these different kinds of gifts. It says, and God will give you more and more grace and peace as you grow in your knowledge of God. And here's the key, see, you'll access all that is in you as you grow. As you grow. I, I think that there's this, there's this disconnection between wanting everything God has for us And not taking responsibility for our own personal maturity. He says, you're going to experience more and more grace and more and more peace as you grow. Now, we don't really talk about a lot of the nuances of beliefs between different groups in the faith. But I'm going to just talk just for a moment. Because when I became a follower of Jesus around the age of 20, I found myself at the intersection of, of like tutti frutti. It, it, it was like all of these different Christian groups with all these different beliefs telling me what I needed to experience and become. Anybody experience that? And I mean, I went to everything. I, I, I went from the, the Catholic experience, to the Baptist experience, to the Methodist, to the Church of Christ, to the Pentecostal, to the Assembly of God, to the non-denominational denominations. And I, I mean, I, I, I was a part of all those groups. And I didn't know because I was so new to Christianity. I, I didn't understand that, that, that they were not just different. A lot of them were just crazy. And, and everyone had an explanation of what I needed next. And they would ask me, well, you know, have you given your life to Jesus? I said, yes, I've given my life to Jesus. Have you been baptized? Yes, I've been baptized. Every group had, had their next thing. And then I remember I, I was traveling. I was in, at the Mardi Gras in New Orleans, and I was hanging out with these really cool people. And they asked me, have you received the Holy Spirit? And I said, of course I've received the Holy Spirit. Because when I read the Bible, it says Jesus gives you the Holy Spirit. So, yeah, I have the Holy Spirit. Of course I do. And, and they go, no, but have you received the baptism of the Holy Spirit? And I go, is that different than having the Holy Spirit? Oh, yes. 
the baptism of the Holy Spirit is different than having the Holy Spirit. And, and, and I go, oh, I've been baptized in the Holy Spirit too. Whatever it is, I know I've got that too. And, and they go, oh, yeah, but then you speak in tongues. And I go, that's never happened. They go, oh, you've been lied to. And I, even somebody would tell me, the devil's told you a lie. And I go, I didn't even know I was having the conversation with the devil. I, I, and, and I found myself constantly being told. And, and then after I met that group, there's another group. They're a Nazarene group, and they told me, no, but have you been sanctified? I'm like, well, how does that, ha- how does that happen? They go, no, you, you receive Jesus, you get baptized by water. Oh, by the way, the church of Christ told me I had to be baptized in the water because that's what actually saves me. And then the Pentecostal no, you need to be baptized in the Holy Spirit and speaking tongues. And then the Nazarene told me, no, you need to be sanctified because now you become sinless. I'm like, how's that working for you? And what I found over a lifetime of faith is that we keep trying to find experiences that fill the deficit of who we are with who we know we should be. And we want it to happen in some kind of dramatic way because we still hope magic will change us. But here what it says is may God give you more and more grace and peace as you grow. See, I don't think there's one or two or three things you need from God. I think you need an endless number of things from God. See, if there's one baptism or two baptisms or three baptisms, I think you should be baptized every day. If that word baptism means to be drenched in the presence of God. Because as you grow, God's able to give you more and more and more. And if you're frustrated that God isn't giving you more, maybe you need to look at your own development and your spiritual maturity. Because God will not give you more than you can handle because you'll misuse it anyway. But he's given you everything you need. It's all in you. See, I, I, I think that what's, what I notice is that all these different thoughts about how God changes us they're always about how God does something from the outside in. You need to receive this. You need to receive this. You need to receive this. And I'm telling you what the scriptures are telling you is you need to unleash this. It's all in you. But it cannot be unleashed from within you if you do not take responsibility for your own spiritual maturity, it's got to grow up. There's got to be some point in your life where you go, I take personal responsibility for my spiritual health and development. Because you can, you can be a part of a community and always hide. You, you can come and listen week after week after week, and, and no one will ever be invasive because there's always this tricky line between, wow, people are way, way, way too pushy, and no one cared about me. Right? You know, you go, oh, no, no, people are just trying way too hard. No one even talked to me. No one even cares about me. Which one you want? <laughs> so I'm going to reverse the whole thing. How about we don't know what to do with you? So you do something with you. Some of you just need to go to the back area and go, I'm a chicken. And I want to be a falcon. But I got skid marks all over my knobby knees because I don't know how to fly. We're going to solve that today. 
Some of you are falcons and you're still acting like chickens. And so you've given up on God because you thought, oh, well, this is everything God does. But just because you're a falcon doesn't mean that your brain understands that you've been changed. He goes on to say, in the middle of verse 3, not only has he given us everything we need for living a godly life, because we have received all of this by coming to know him, the one who called us to himself by means of his marvelous glory and excellence. And because of his glory and excellence, he has given us great and precious promises. Okay, God, I, I believe it's all in me but I'm not able to access it all. I don't seem to know how. You ever felt that? Sometimes it's a different language. You feel like there's, there's a hero inside of you waiting to be awakened, but he's trapped under the coward. That's you. Some of you, you feel like there's someone extraordinary inside of you, but it's trapped under all the rubble of your failures. Some of you, 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 you feel like there's a new you inside of you. But that new you is being suffocated by the old you. And you don't know how to become new. So you keep hoping that that some magical experience, and that's why some of you have traveled from place to place, from religion to religion, to church to church, hoping that somehow some outside experience will change you. But I want you to know the change that God wants to bring in your life, the change that God can and must spring in your life will only happen as it is unlocked from within you. You have everything you need. I'm not trying to put something inside of you. I'm trying to pull something out of you. But it only comes as you grow and as you go. So we have received all of this by coming to know him. That's as you grow. See, the measure of growing is knowing Jesus. And the one who called us to himself. I, I, I find this to be such beautiful language. He calls us to himself because whenever we think about calling, we think about somewhere we're supposed to go, right? Or if we're called to somewhere we're supposed to do, like, what's your calling? And we connect calling to destiny or intention or purpose. What's your calling? And yet here it says, the one who called us to himself. And what becomes so clear to me is that any future that God calls you to will call you to himself. See, any future you choose that pulls you away from Jesus is not the future God is calling you to. Any future that separates you from God is not the future God created you to live. Every future God calls you to calls you into greater intimacy with Jesus. Because you, you grow as you go. And as you follow Jesus, and here, here's, here's the beautiful thing. See, Jesus is not static. I, I, I think that's, that's a part of the problem is our mindsets of religion. Have you ever noticed that whenever we create religions, we, we tend to create statues and idols and icons? 
And so we go to the Buddha, or we go to the Virgin of Guadalupe, or we, 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 we go to the shrine, or we go to the temple, or we go to the, 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 the mosque, we go to the place. And so we end up with this false view of the static nature of God. That God is just sitting somewhere, waiting for us to come to him. But you see, if God is anywhere, God is in your future calling you to it. And if you want to be close to God, you have to move forward with him as he calls you into your future. And for some of you, this will explain your own spiritual journey. There was a time you felt close to God. Anybody? But you don't feel that close now. There's a time you felt so close to God, but now you feel distant and you can't figure out what happened. And I can tell you exactly what happened. You were close to God, but God is not static and you were static. God does not stay where you are. You have to move to where God is going. And when God called you forward, you did not go. We have received all of this, all of what? Everything we need. God has given us everything we need. Just, I'm going to do a Kim McManus. Look at the person next to you and tell them you have, God has given you everything you need. Right now, tell them, God has given you everything you need. Do you believe that? God has given you everything you need. And it's all inside of you. It's more than potential. It is potent. Because God is not trying to change you through experiences. He's trying to change you through relationship. Because God is not trying to change your behavior. He's trying to change your essence. We have received all of this, everything we need by coming to know him. Somehow we, we always want to make knowing Jesus secondary. And the moment you're focused on some spiritual experience or the moment you're focused on some spiritual gift, I, I, to me, that's the tragedy inside of our own faith. When we put so much focus on things like speaking in tongues, we're making Jesus secondary to an experience. Really? Some kind of spiritual gift can bring me closer to God than God himself. I've given my children a lot of gifts and none of them have brought them closer to me. Right? It's true. You, you know when that guy is buying bling for his wife? They ain't close. He's trying to make up for distance. There's no gift that God will give you that will bring you closer to him except himself. He's done all of this. He calls us to himself by means of his marvelous glory and excellence. And we don't even have time to unwrap all this. And because of his glory and excellence, he has given us great and precious promises. It's just because who God is. All of God's promises are an extension of his essence. I don't know if you've ever just taken time to to revel in this reality. The reason you can feel and love, the reason you can laugh, 
The reason you, you can experience intimacy and, and compassion and the reason you can dance and celebrate is because this is who God is. And, and when you experience the best of life, it's just the smallest, smallest taste of who God is in his essence. The life God longs for us is the life he is for us. And he says, these are the promises that enable you to share his divine nature and escape the world's corruption caused by human desires. Now, I think it's interesting, historically, the second half of that declaration has been more focused on and escape the world's corruption caused by human desires. I don't know if you know this, but the world is corrupting. If you did know that, you're probably just like fully corrupted. You just don't know. <laughs> and the world is in decay. We have the Amazons on fire. And maybe because of human greed, certainly because of our lack of attention and responsibility. Our atmosphere is being corrupted. Our oceans are being corrupted. Our children are being corrupted. You see, to deny that there's a corruption that is created by our out-of-control desires is to be dishonest about reality. But the solution is the key. See, we, we keep trying to fight against the corruption of the world by, by conformity. But corruption is more powerful than conformity. It says, these are the promises that enable you to share his divine nature. No one ever focuses on that part because that's a little unnerving. It says that you actually have been transformed by God to share in his divine nature. Another translation, and I, I, I bolded it here, that you may participate in the divine nature. Did you have any idea that you're participating in the divine nature? See, I, I think we don't focus on this because we're really worried about what humans might do if they actually think they're connected to God. And so we, we, we want to make sure there's this huge divide, God and his divine nature than us and our corrupt nature. But if you still believe that, you do not believe the scriptures. Because the scriptures tell us that Jesus Christ has given us everything we need for living a godly life. And it flows out of our participation with his divine nature. And if you want to know how to get it all out of you because it's all in you, then it's as you grow and as you go and as you flow. Because it's in you. Now, back to the chicken and falcons. Because remember, this whole talk is about chickens and falcons. See, what we've been taught is that we're all chickens, and God's the divine falcon. And we aspire to be falcons, but we're just chickens who have a narcissistic delusion of grandeur. And if you think that you were created to be a falcon, you misunderstand who you are. Because why would God ever make you a falcon 
because he's not going to create any competition for himself. So we have a God who's a falcon who creates a bunch of chickens and then gives you the rules that can only be lived out by a falcon. And then he holds you accountable for being a chicken. But you see, what it tells us here is that God created us as falcons, but then we chose the safety of domestication. So we lost our ability to fly because we became domesticated in fat. And our wings became too weak and our feet became accustomed to living on the ground. See, you were never supposed to be a grounded creature. You're supposed to always be a creature that soars. You're supposed to be a creature who's not afraid of being hunted and is not powerless to hunt. You're supposed to be a falcon because you're created in the image of the ultimate falcon. Oh, maybe this metaphor has gone too far. You are created in the image of God. Let that sink in for a minute. You are created out of the essence of God. You were designed to live in communion with God. Jesus prayed that we would be one even as he and the Father one, that we might be one with him. Jesus is restoring to you the divine nature that you were created to live in. It's supposed to come out of the flow of who you are. You're not a chicken. The guy keeps telling you, you need to live like a falcon or you're just fried chicken. <laughs> but the problem is, if you've been living like a chicken long enough and one day somehow you are transformed into a falcon, it may take your entire life to convince you that you're not a chicken anymore. And some of you, you're living like you were because you don't know who you are. See, and it, you keep working on the right and wrong, so you keep trying to fix the wrong and get one more thing right and just fix one more thing that's wrong and make it right, one more thing that's wrong and make it right, and you're just an exhausted chicken. God says, no. This is no longer a conversation about right and wrong. This is a conversation about old and new and old and new and old and new. Your battle is not against right and wrong. Your battle against the old and the new. But you are not the old trying to become the new. You are the new shaking off the old. You can hear this in the scriptures. This is the words of Jeremiah. This is not a new idea. This is God's idea. In verse 33, he says, this is the covenant I will make with the people of Israel after that time, declares the Lord. I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. Ezekiel 36, 26 and 27, he says this, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit in you and move you and move you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. God says, I'm going to transform you. I'm going to change you from the inside out. I'm going to give you a new heart. I'm going to put my spirit in you. I'm going to let you be partakers of this divine nature. So I need to convince you, though you've been living like a chicken, though all you see is chickens, all you know is chicken, I have to convince you you're a falcon. I got to convince you to get off the ground and start flying again. 
It's all about the new. It's the new you. It's the new heart. And with the new you and the new heart, we can create a new world. We don't have to sit around lamenting that everything is falling apart. We can be the conduits of the new. But it's all in you. Everything you need. Everything you need. Everything you need to live the life God created you to live. When you give your life to Jesus, Jesus comes to dwell in you. And isn't it incredible that, that the creator of the universe comes to dwell within us and we could still be convinced we're lacking something? Everything that exists was created by God. If God dwells within you, what exactly do you need to live the life he created you to live? It's all in you. Now you have to decide whether it's going to come through you and become you. Have you ever tried to do something that just wasn't natural to you? You tried so hard and you just never felt comfortable with it. And, and then you tried something that was so natural to you. I remember once there was this little boy, he was maybe six, seven years old. He was on Aaron's friends when they were little and he drew this cat. The cat looked like a cat. And I was in shock. So were his parents. I said, how did you draw the cat? He goes, I looked at it and drew it. Said, of course, it's so obvious. And, and I, I looked at the cat and I couldn't draw it. I could spend my whole life trying to do that and it just would never come out of me. See, there's some of you, you're, you're trying to become who God created you to be without God. It's impossible to become who God created you to be without God. Some of you are trying to become who Jesus is calling you to become without Jesus, and it's impossible to become who Jesus created you to be without Jesus. And some of you, you've already become falcons, but you're just living like a chicken. And the problem is that if you become a falcon, but you're still hanging out with chickens, they'll never want you to live like a falcon. Because the moment you start living like a falcon, you indict the fact that they've chosen to live like chickens. You want to create a new standard in the world? Choose the new. Let Jesus make you new. Let him create in you a new humanity. Let his spirit dwell in you and give you a new heart, a new life a new you. Would you pray with me? Would you just bow your heads with me just for a moment? This is really a simple two-step process. Everything that God wants for your life will come out of you. It'll be a part of the flow of who you are. And as you grow in relationship with Jesus, it'll just come naturally. It'll become so natural to who you are. But for it to be natural to who you are, you have to let Jesus change you. The scriptures tell us that if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. She is a new creation. It says, behold, the, 
The old is gone. Everything has become new. There's some of you here right now, it's time to cross the line of faith and leave the old behind and step into the new. See, once Jesus dwells within you, the new becomes natural. Forgiveness becomes natural. Compassion becomes natural. Courage becomes natural. Faith becomes natural. Hope becomes natural. Joy becomes natural. Love becomes natural. They just come out of the flow of who you are. If you're here right now and you're just done doing this alone, struggling to become who you long to be, who God created you to be by yourself, and you're ready to trust Jesus with your life, you're ready to give your life to Jesus right now, I want to lead you in a simple prayer just with your heads bowed and your eyes closed. If you're here and you're ready to receive the new in you, would you pray this prayer with me right now? Jesus, I give you my life. Right now, just tell him, Jesus, I give you my life. Just whisper to him right now, Jesus, I give you my life. He will make everything new. Everything new. Everything new. If you're here and you just whispered that prayer, Jesus, I give you my life. I want to pray for you right now. So wherever you are right now, I want you to muster up all the courage you have and just raise your hand. Say, yes, I just crossed the line of faith. I just pray, Jesus, I give you my life. Right now, just hold up your hand high. I want to see you. Beautiful. Wonderful. Anyone else? Beautiful. Wonderful. Wow, so good. Anyone else? Oh, some of you are still raising your hands. It's good. Jesus, I give you my life. Wow. Anyone else? Beautiful. Anyone else? Jesus, I give you my life. Father, I thank you for all the women and men who in this moment have crossed the line of faith and put their trust in you. God, I just pray right now you just declare to them it's all in you that you've come to dwell within them, that you will never leave them or abandon them, that they belong to you, that you've changed them at the very essence of who they are, that today you've given them a new heart and a new spirit, and now it's all about moving past the old and stepping into the new. I thank you, Jesus, that you're the God of the new, that you came to bring new wine and you told us it's impossible to put it instead of old wineskins. And so you just let the old one explode and you make us new. I thank you, Jesus, for your love. I thank you for the new lives being born right now. We thank you, Father. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Can we just thank God for all those who just responded to him, wherever you are in Pasadena, in Orange County, in Seattle, in Quito, here in Hollywood. So good. I'm so excited because God is always doing something new. Isn't that good to know? And there's never so much old that God cannot do new. He just takes the old and he repurposes it, does new things, or sometimes he just sets it on fire and creates something brand new. God is so inventive. Never believe your life is so messed up or so twisted up or so damaged that God cannot make you 
better than new. It's a beautiful thing that happens when you come to Jesus. And on a side note, I want to encourage you guys, if you haven't yet signed up for the conference in November, get outside, sign up for the conference, go on the line. We're going to be talking about the new. We're going to be unwrapping these concepts. And it's going to be a beautiful, beautiful time together. Thank you so much for joining us on the Mosaic Podcast. I want to encourage you to take the message you've just received, allow it to go deeply into your soul, to allow Jesus to do the deep work that only he can do. And I also want to encourage you to be a part of what we're doing here at Mosaic, to go to the Mosaic app and to become a part of the Mosaic Foundation, to become a regular giver and investor in bringing this message across the world. I want to thank you so much for being here with us. God bless you.